Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast Season 5. Never forget that to the best of us, protection's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. Enjoy. Okay, sweet. So let's dig into some of the topics I've got here. And if you guys want to get like a full-on training course on church protection, I've developed the Church Protection Strategies online training program that's just, I want to say it's probably a good six to eight hours of content. I'm guessing though, don't quote me on that, but it's basically everything that I have learned overseas that I could jam into a video, uh, a video-based learning platform um, about how to set up your sanctuary, close protection, moving your principles, a little bit of risk assessments, a little bit of behavioral profiling, um, how to structure things. Uh, it's it's pretty awesome, and it's helped a lot of churches, uh, a lot of. Uh, venue, it's, it's essentially like a dialed up venue security, venue security product for churches. But there's a lot of really good information there, a lot of really good takeaways from that product. So I want to encourage you to check that out. Bravo Research Group has been fortunate enough to execute church security strategies all over the world in 60 plus countries since 2008. The mission of church security is something that is near and dear to the very fabric of who we are as a company. Every other department and even our security organization must operate in total support of the mission of spreading the gospel. Our personal mission is to be the element of security that makes church operations safe and secure for those in attendance every Sunday and every day on your campus during the week. Possessing the necessary skills to assess risk, see threats coming, and address them before they turn into larger situations is something we pride ourselves on. Additionally, we focus on the reality that we're not there to make security the focus of your congregation, but rather to create an experience where your congregation feels safe while they're in your house of worship. We employ high-end private security professionals, individuals with backgrounds in law enforcement, the military, and the high end of private security. We are not the cheapest option. However, we believe the quality of the individual securing your campus will reflect on the overall quality of your organization. We employ the highest end of private security professionals who possess current credentials with firearms and medical capabilities so that if something does happen on your campus, we can be your true first responders. Beyond all of that, our workforce is highly trained in surveillance detection, risk mitigation, and de-escalation to ensure that we are on top of any scenario before it takes place. If you're looking for a private security organization that is faith-based, that will serve next to your church with grace and honor to help you and yours execute on the mission of spreading the gospel, one of the things we've done internationally since 2008 is go into churches and help them develop their personal security plan, emergency management plan, and SOPs. We can come to your church for a consultation and help you strengthen your security procedures. And when there is a fit, we can also add our security services to help augment and complement the level of safety and security you would like to provide your congregation. When it comes to church security, we have done this internationally. We understand what it takes to secure the campus, all VIPs, stakeholders, and congregants involved. And by the grace of God, since 2008, we've had 100% mission success. If you'd like to continue the conversation about private security consultation, training, or services, please respond to this email or put your information into the boxes below.
We look forward to speaking with you soon. God bless and Semper Fi. Boom, church protection strategies. Just build that in there. Okay, sweet. So let's see here. Right now in America, it's time. It's just time to really get serious about church protection strategies. Uh, we're in a very interesting little, um, not window, but new era in American uh, culture, in American uh, society, where we have had our borders open for, uh, you know, at least at least four years, at least, right? Our position in the world has not gotten any safer. You know, that is to say there are more people that don't like us. There are more people that uh, want to see us uh, fall. And we're doing a lot of things overseas that give a lot of people a lot of really good reasons to say death to America. When you're looking at terrorizing a population, um, a lot of what you want to go after, and these are things that I've seen overseas as well in combat, is you want to go after those soft targets and also targets that cause the most uh, psychological damage i.e. women, children, schools, houses of worship, right? So the people, the good people, the innocent people, you want to cause that massive shock factor. And this is what we saw executed on uh, Israel uh, recently um, with the, the terrorist attacks over there. And there are a number of government agencies, things that have come out from the FBI and also Homeland Security, uh, one document, San Diego Field, from the San Diego Field Office of Intelligence Division. Um, you know, as you can see, uh, there's a lot going on. Foreign fighters of Israel-Hamas conflict may potentially be encountered at southwest border, right? So this was a bulletin that San Diego's put out, but there have been a number of different uh, bulletins and reports that have come out from numerous government agencies at this point that are talking about the fact that we have foreign actors on our soil and um, it's really time to kind of brace for an attack and prepare for an attack. Um, there's a lot going on across the United States where churches and schools are getting more and more fortified. And this isn't just from the active shooter the 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 domestic active shooter threat but the results are from the external terrorist uh related threat and uh church attacks on church campuses violence on church campuses has been on the rise right just because i don't want to sit here and talk about every one of these articles because that's not what this is about but fbi's got an article on violent extremism and terrorism that talks about the increase in um violent extremism and terrorism at church campuses in, in, in recent years, rising threat on places of worship. This is another FBI data-driven article that talks about the increase of um, uh, threats to places in worship, right? Biden-Harris administration, administration actions. The White House releases a fact sheet detailing actions taken to protect places of worship. This includes responses uh, to past attacks, ongoing efforts to ensure the safety of these spaces, right? So the White House is even recognizing that right now it's time to try to protect these spaces. Armed, con armed congregants uh, are on the rise at churches as well. So there are a lot of different factors. There are a lot of different um, organizations that are, are, are really looking at trying to protect churches. Um, Family Research Council report. A reported by the Family Research Council titled 
hostility against churches is on the rise in the United States highlights a significant increase in attacks on U.S. churches since 2018. So there's there's just so much out there. FBI, uh, hate crimes, statistics, church crimes, information, church shooting frequencies. Um, I'm going to put this stuff in the write-up so you guys can can check all these articles out. But I don't really need to like prove to you that it's time to protect your church, you know, and like, regardless of your political view or your biblical view, um, there's a lot about protectors in the Bible. Um, you know, our heavenly father, well, Jesus, when he comes back, he'll be coming back as a warrior, right? Saving the planet, uh, in a warrior fashion because he's already done it the merciful way. Right. So we've made provisions the merciful way. And now he'll come back with a sword, but the reality is, uh, this is the reality we're in. So I'm going to talk a little bit more on church protection strategies and tactics just to give you guys some good stuff to make sure you walk away in. But first, we talked a little bit about the posture of private security professionals on church campuses, um, but I want to drive this home. One of the things that I'm big on in BRG is making sure that we don't make security the focus of the security team when it comes to executing really security operations anywhere, you know, whether it's your home, uh, an office space, uh, or a church that we're protecting, but rather doing security in a way that helps the mission of the organization we're there to protect. So when you have volunteers and or when you have um, professional protectors with you guys, uh, make sure, you know, it's best if they believe in what they're protecting, but also make sure they understand how they should be greeting people, how, what their affect should be. They should be friendly, approachable, competent individuals um, who know tough guy stuff, right? Like they should be really helping people come into the church and feel comfortable. That's really what they're designed. That's what they're there to do. So what really makes a good church security team, in my opinion, is people understanding their roles, right? So most times when you go and you ask churches about their security posture, they'll tell you that they, you know, they let such and such who's a retired, you know, input agency run the security program. And that's not necessarily wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that individual might be awesome. He might have a lot of skills. He might be, be awesome. But what I have seen around the world and around the country is that you know, a lot of times it's not the case. Sometimes it is, a couple times it is, but a lot of times it's not the case. And then, so you have most of the times a retired guy who may or may not still be really, really, you know, at his prime. Then you've got a volunteer corps. Now the volunteer corps is gonna be somewhat organized, maybe, right? But is anyone training? Is anyone um, responsible for being competent when the moment comes? Not really. It's probably, it is a volunteer corps. So it's people out of the goodness of their heart volunteering their time. And so, you know, as I've built an innumerable amount of these kind of security structures, you know, snap foo style as we move through the world, um, you just, you, you start to notice a few trends, right? Um, volunteers and employees are two completely dim different demographics of people for you to uh, try to work with. And when it comes to something like security, there's just so much on the line that you have to be do you want to leave it to chance? Do you want to leave it to maybe the CCW guys or the retired law enforcement guys or, you know, retired Secret Service, FBI guy, whoever it is? And I mean, no disrespect, you know, maybe he's training, maybe he's current with his stuff. 
maybe your volunteers have, have, have been keeping up on their skills. They're probably really good people. They really are really good people. But when you're now in an environment where you're really faced with a legitimate threat um, and, and, and risk, uh, there's a legitimate risk to your congregation. I just think that um, it's something that you really want to take take seriously. And it's a good idea if you can get your church to do it. Um, and I know it's tough sometimes uh, to get them to pay someone and make it their responsibility in exchange for money to legitimately be a professional protector of the house. There's just no substitute for that, really, uh, generally. So there are always going to be levels to the to the um, layers and level of dedication that people have to your team. Um, but you really want to have that paid level where someone's paid to be a professional on your team. There's a difference between volunteers and employees. The volunteers, you can't make them go train. You can't. You can only expect so much from them, right? Um, but the employees, you can really be responsible for um, their level of effectiveness, uh, the training that they're responsible to be able to maintain and have and implement and all that good stuff. And that is, is something that I think a lot of church security teams try to skirt around that is, um, makes them extremely vulnerable. So um, some different types of ways to approach this is some churches try to do an in-house team uh, where, you know, hey, we're on private property. Whoever we say can carry, can carry. And that's how we roll. That's a that's a it works. Um, I believe the license in California might be called a PSE. But with regards to having your in-house private security team for your church, um, that can work as long as you're on your own campus. The second you start to go off campus with your pastor, maybe doing close protection operations, um, that is when things get complicated because at least in the state of California and most states, you need to have a California PPO. You need to have a California security company business license to conduct private security operations when you're not on your own property. So this kind of gets into the function of having a security vendor for your church. And then you have to ask yourself the question, if my church is involved in um, any type of violent altercation or any type of scenario that you would want a security operative to get involved in, do I want it to be my church getting directly sued or would it be safer if there was a third party company holding insurance designed for doing this exact work with the lawyers designed to deal with these exact problems standing between my church, my congregation and all of their offering and the person trying to sue them. Right? So using an outside agency insulates your church and the congregation and everyone um, from taking the direct hit of anything that may happen. If, you know, someone has to go and deal with a picketer and, 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 and that person trips and trips on church campus and wants to sue. It's always nice to have a third company, private security company standing between your church and that person pulling the trigger. Beyond that, you know, one of the things that I look at when I'm looking at whether a company's legit is, are their guys trained? Are their guys continuing to train? Are guys shoot calls almost quarterly? They're staying up on TCCC, TECC first aid, AED stuff at least twice a year. And can you get that level of current training out of um, a volunteer? 
can you expect that out of a volunteer? You can ask, but, but, but what are you really going to get? Right. And so taking security seriously is, is, um, this is part of it essentially. Now, when it comes to securing your campus, do you need it to be all professional security personnel? Absolutely not. You may have a team of 10 volunteers augmented by one or two private security professionals, right? And so a problem arises, your volunteers are your eyes and ears. They're watching the campus. Um, they can get involved, but the ideal situation is um, you get your private security company up to the front to deal with the situation and your volunteers are there to support the private security operators who are the tip of the spear, right? And when you really zoom way out at how that, that whole structure works, it's really like, remember I said, good security on campus has to do with having all of your assets create an information network on your campus, right? So you have, you know, your parking lot ministry. Someone comes on campus, the parking lot ministry is already paying attention to who they are. Um, they see the cars, they see the flow, they see everyone coming on campus. If they see something a little bit off, you know, someone's swerving a little bit, someone does something erratic in the parking lot, the parking lot attendants can let you know and you can go and confront that in the parking lot, right? So maybe they come over radio, hey, security security team. Uh, a black Jetta just came in here. They're acting, they look like they might be in a big argument, you know, or they're acting a little weird or, you know, they just bumped into somebody out here in the parking lot. Right. And then this is when your actual security, uh, your professional protectors start to move towards that problem and look to report and look to, um, you know, call first responders if necessary, if things escalate. Right. Um, but that kind of shows you how like, the parking lot ministry can hold hands with the security ministry and you can get uh, the level of coverage you want in your whole campus because every person in every department is part of that security network, right? Um, something's going on in the bookstores. You want the bookstore lady to understand that she is also part of the securing part of securing the campus and she needs to let you guys know if she sees something, the whole see something, say something kind of thing, really. But really, you know, you want to bring these people in and you really want to teach them that they really are your eyes and your ears. And when they give you guys the ball, then you guys can get the right person to the right problem. You know, is it that uh, someone's trying to steal a Bible and pastor such and such would want to give it to them? Or is it that, um, you know, uh, you know, someone's trying to, you know, do drugs in the back corner of the bookstore and we need security personnel to come and confront them type of situation. So, you know, you might have a team of 10 volunteers supported by two private security operators um, who understand the mission and know when they need to go to a specific uh, scenario. CCWs on church campuses. This is another thing that is a church uh, specific kind of a church specific policy. You know, having a lot of CCW holders on a campus, in my opinion, means there are more good people. Um, that would be able to defend with a firearm than not, right? Uh, you disarm the campus, then, you know, if a bad person decides to disobey the law, which usually shooting people is illegal and they still choose to do it, if a bad person decides to do that, then you don't have any good people on campus that also can bring to bear the same level of force. You're going to have a massive, massive casualty incident, which we've seen multiple times all over the world, especially in the United States when no good person has a gun at a school or a church, right? I don't think it's a good idea to tell people they can't carry. Another argument I heard is that, uh, well, if you disarm people, 
and you say that they can't carry, then you also run the risk of them turning around and suing you when they could have had a gun, but uh, your policies made it so they couldn't carry a gun, and that's why they were injured or wounded or you know, or worse. When it comes to volunteer security teams, same type of thing when it comes to, you know, them volunteering to do security and some security teams will make them do certain things in order to give them permission to carry a gun. Just keep in mind that your state, you know, at least the state of California has certain things you need to do in order to be able to lawfully carry a firearm, like everything you go through to get your CCW. And if you go through all that and you can lawfully carry your firearm, um, in the state of California and your church has a higher level of something or takes away your ability to carry that, like say they want you to do this other qual and this other thing and this other thing in order to carry on the team, it, uh, it can lend more liability to the organization who is setting that standard because then it's, well, who said this guy could carry a gun? Uh, well, he's got a CCW and then we gave him permission based on our training standards and there can be a conversation there about your training standards. Um, so it's an interesting road when you start to say who can and cannot carry. Um, obviously, you have your rights, but these are just some things to think of. Uh, camera systems. Camera systems are huge. They're very important. I use an AI-driven vendor. Um, it's an AI camera system. It's AI driven, but it's human monitored. So an anomaly takes place uh, in the vicinity that we have eyes on, creates a call up to a human who then looks at it and then can react to the person through the camera, yell at them, you in the blue shirt, put the girl down, you in the blue shirt, cops are already on the way, leave now. They can start actually interacting with them through the cameras. Um, it's been very effective to just interrupt the overall OODA loop of whoever's doing whatever they're doing and or uh, threat response. So those cameras identify that anomaly, call up that human, that person can call the cops, is calling the cops. Um, if there's an active shooter or something like that without you guys having to be like, you call 911. So if you want to talk with me more about those vendors, then uh, send an email. Just go to brgbravoresearchgroup.com and send me a message through the website, ask about my camera vendors and we'll get you connected. They're awesome. I use them on a lot of security projects, but I also have a code with them so I can get you a discount and I get points for everyone who hops on. So changing the entire game. So, but other than that, which is what is important to know about cameras is that cameras are generally uh, for forensics. So a lot of civilians and church folk will think that they are safe if they have cameras. And that is not the case. If you have cameras, you basically have something to show you what happened after the fact. And that's all that happens. And generally, the cameras still don't get enough information for you to be able to identify what actually happened or who actually. You can identify what happened. Here's a guy in a hoodie breaking into your truck and driving it off. That's basically all you usually get with cameras. Oh, there's six guys with hoodies. They walked right up to the door, you know, and broke in. And then there's my computer being taken out you know, of the back, you know, like that's what cameras do. So um, don't think for one second that you are safe because, you know, oh, well, we got cameras installed. Absolutely not. Um, it's a common pitfall of civilians. Bag checks. We've done bag checks at a few of our campuses. Uh, we did those for a while. Um, and all we were really looking for was weapons. It was a little bit of an extreme thing, but with every single thing I saw us implement that we have implemented on these campuses is um, at first there's a lot of pushback. And then after a while, everyone loves it. And they're like, why are we checking bags? Or why are we doing X, Y, and Z? 
why are we not, you know, you know, and they don't feel as safe. Right. Um, so bag checks is one of those that, you know, it's a humongous deterrent. So knowing that as you come up, come onto a campus, you might be faced with something like that. It, it, it It's a huge deterrent. Now I'm not, 100 i'm kind of 50 50 on it it depends on the place it depends on the venue um but i have seen them become something that church members appreciated and uh felt kept them safe as people were entering the facility here's another good one and i'll probably slow it down after this um covert and overt security right so um you know, having exposed and I kind of mentioned this at the beginning of, of, of the podcast, but having exposed armed security personnel versus um, having the CCW layer. Personally, I think that what I like to do is I like to build out every layer. Right. So we'll send in two security operators to support a church. That church will already have a 10 to 13 man squad that are playing clothes. Now, the thing with playing clothes is that you do want to have some identifier, whether it's a pin, whether it's a lanyard that they put on that lets you know who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. Um, and this kind of gets into working with local law enforcement as well. Um, what we did was we made sure the local law enforcement uh, partners that we had all know that if you see a red lanyard, it means that that's a CCW guy. That's one of our guys. Um, obviously, you have to keep some operational security on that, and we don't use that brevity code anymore. But the covert security operators uh, and volunteers definitely have a place, but the overt security operators are more preventative. And when I say overt, I mean, you know, what we did, we had plate carriers, exposed weapons, um, and that's how we like to roll at churches generally. Um, but we can also do the covert side of things as well. You know, especially if you have a pastor that doesn't want the optics of having security, you know, having someone who's dressed a lot more like, you know, an average Joe is going to keep that. It's just going to keep just not going to give him that image that he has have professional protection. But in a world now where you say something on the Internet and people are showing up at your house uh, and following you to church or showing up at church and following you to your house, um, it is just it's really time to think seriously about. Uh, protecting um, our churches and the pastors that try to serve and protect us um, and serve us at these churches. Now, working with local law enforcement, there are a few things you can do to work with local law enforcement that are pretty awesome. Uh, one, for sure, any identifiers that you guys have um, that are team-wide for people carrying firearms and or security personnel, volunteers, huge red lanyards, pins, plastics, all that stuff. You want to make sure they know what is what and who's wearing what. And if you have to call the cops, you make sure that you say that over the phone before they arrive. Two, uh, having them come and do a walkthrough of this facility, you know, making sure that local law enforcement knows where the green room is, where the pastor's offices are, how to get on and off property, all that stuff. Um, it's extremely valuable. Spend time with them. And then one of the other things that, you know, Luke did that I think was genius was um, putting post-certified uh, refreshments in the church somewhere. If you have a bookstore, if you have a coffee, you have a coffee shop or a restaurant on church at your church, then make that place uh, somewhere where law enforcement folks can come 
for free and eat and for free and drink and for free and hang out, make sure they have Wi-Fi there and all that stuff. Um, you want them to be on your campus as much as possible. And if you create a safe place for them to get work done and get refreshments and get food, um, they're going to be on that on that on that property. They're going to be on your property even more. So create an environment that's welcoming to them um, and that, you know, takes care of them when they're there and they'll be there even more. We had a few events where we had to call local law enforcement. They helped us, you know, direct traffic and all that stuff. And when we got done, I wrote a letter of recommend. I wrote a, a thank you letter to the chief. Hey, chief, um, Sergeant such and such was down here um, this last Sunday directing traffic helping us out but we want you to know it was it was really truly an amazing experience we felt so supported by you guys um and 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 we felt safer because we had that presence we had his car parked there and he was directing traffic and everyone loved it and 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 give them those attaboys and those kudos and that stuff goes a long way the next thing you need something they're like ready to roll out the red carpet for you because you're putting feathers in their cap so Team up with local law enforcement, continue communicating with them. Um, let them see your blueprints of your building, walk to school with them, uh, whether with, with SEB or SWAT or whoever it would be coming to help you out. And then if they ever do anything, write them a thank you letter and send it to the chief, man. That's what I love to do. You know, there's certain other things that I talk about in the church uh, protection strategies video. Um, you know, like mass planning for massive casualties events, emergency management planning, uh, various SOPs, uh, you know, the reality that nine times out of 10 people just pass out at church because they're malnourished and what exactly to do for that and with that and do you have to call an ambulance or not. There's just so much more, but this episode's getting long. So um, check out the online education resource I have for you guys. If you want to learn more about church protection or you want consultation, or if you want to look at maybe implementing one or two security operators, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. It's an honor and privilege to support you guys. But church protection is one of the things that I'm the most passionate about. Um, and I love every church protection project I'm working on because it's really just about securing God's house. Um, and it's a very, it is, if you've just been brought on as a security director uh, on a church protection project, um, I just, I just want to encourage you to take it seriously, get all the resources you can, get all the support you can, um, because it is an ongoing and demanding sophisticated operation. And it is such an honor to be able to protect, you know, the Lord's house and a place where innocent people go to worship. So with no further ado, Church Protection Strategies 2.0, I'll be coming to you guys with some more. I'm gonna make a lot more content on this subject uh, as I plan to push deeper, deeper into this segment of private security. Like I said, it's got it all. Uh, the residential aspect, the event aspect, the close protection aspect, and, and I think it's one of the most important missions in the world. So. So, Byron Rogers, protected by nature and by trade. So much more coming. Stay, stay frosty, stay sharp out there. And remember that protection is more than just a job. It's a lifestyle. Boom, boom, boom. Quick shout out to our sponsor, Staccato. My first pistol sponsor. Um, I've been sponsored by a lot of companies right over the years, but when it comes to pistol, that's my bread and butter. Pistol is something I believe in. You know, I'm a competitive shooter. You know, we're shooting anywhere from, you know, 800 rounds a month type of thing, right? So Staccato being what I believe is one of, if not the most complete handguns you can put in your hand. Um, it's got every component that a handgun could have, should have, 
Uh, they're actually extremely dependable now that they've made some changes and these things are straight up tack drivers. If you're looking for a pistol that will do as much of the work for you as a piece of hardware can, obviously you have to have the, the, the marksmanship and all the different things, but different guns perform at different levels. And I wanna say that Staccato is one of, by far for sure, take it from a competitive shooter, we're shooting the highest volumes of rounds constantly right now, not used to have a background guy, but like right now, when you go shoot, you're gonna see certain brands. Staccato is one of, if not the highest performing firearm that is both CCW, duty ready, and also competitive ready. So I wanna give them a shout out if you guys are looking for a good handgun to build your skills on top of, go check out Staccato, much love and respect. Yo, if you're a private security professional wanting to take your game to the next level, go to executiveprotectiontrainingday.com to check out my personal success package for private security professionals. Check it out, executiveprotectiontrainingday.com. And remember y'all, hard skills do save lives, but soft skills get you paid. Boom. Boom, and to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an America a safer place. Do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can because it makes all of these things possible. Thanks for those contributions.